Welcome everyone to the eighth episode of POV Crypto. I'm David Hoffman here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? David, I'm doing excellent. It is a beautiful Tuesday here in San Francisco, recording at 10 p.m. tonight. How you doing, brother? Pretty good, pretty good. Honestly, I'm pretty uh, generally optimistic about the markets. We haven't had too much red. We've been holding pretty flat. Uh, Ethereum seems to be like in the $200 range. Bitcoin likes to be uh, uh, nicely above $6,000. Uh, so, you know, at, at least in talking about the last eight months, not going down is just as, as good as I need it to be right now. So I, I can't complain. Cool. Well, uh, I mean, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff that is probably going to be affecting the markets in the next couple months here. Uh, this is episode eight, like David said. Please, if you haven't already uh, connected with us on Twitter, follow the show at POV Crypto Pod. Follow me at real life underscore CK. David? You can find me at trustless underscore state, both on Twitter and Medium. Uh, but my Medium has much more content than my Twitter. I'm working on that, though. Twitter's coming up. Yeah, I'm, I'm practicing. I'm a Twitter apprentice. David is going to be a Twitter pro soon. Hopefully, hopefully, with your guys' help. That and maybe a Bitcoin maximalist. <laughs> we'll see which one comes first. Word. So, uh, real quick, first and foremost, we had some big news that dropped today from Coinbase. You want to you wanna give the people the scoop? Yeah, ZRX token. The ZeroRx protocol on Ethereum allows the... Uh, decentralized trustless trading of ERC-20s on Ethereum. It's a it's a governance token. It also kind of defines the rules for trading ERC-20s. Um, basically, how it works is that it uses a combination of uh, uh, you know typical order books along with uh, uh, kind of uh, kind of like Bitcoin's Lightning Network or a a second layer messaging relay system where uh, ZRX token holders relay messages between each other in order to communicate trades of Ethereum tokens uh, that are off-chain, which is how it gets uh, efficiency. Um, this uh, The ZRX token just got listed on Coinbase, and we are currently, as of uh, Tuesday, October 16th, 16th, we see ZRX token with a nice 31% pump uh, and uh, and climbing, which honestly I'm a little bit upset about because I sold it earlier today at uh, 85 cents and now it's at 97 cents. So you know, you know, I, 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 it was a good it was a good purchase, but just not a good sell. So you know, you need you need two of those things to make a good trade, but you know, I only got one of them. I mean, who knows? It could dump by the time you wake up. Maybe, maybe. Good point retail traders on coinbase yeah but you know this is exciting because coinbase has always talked about uh adding more and more assets and this is their first ethereum token to have on coinbase which i'm sure ethereum people are very very happy about but also kind of sets a precedent for more erc20 tokens to come to coinbase i mean brian is tweeting about it for the past like three months yeah. he's been saying more assets are coming. So if that didn't set a precedent, I don't know what would. Very true. Very true. So really quickly, like why why is it such a kind of change of pace for Coinbase to list an ERC20 project token like CRX? Oh gosh, there's so many things behind it. Um, specifically because this um, 
out of all the t tokens on Coinbase, I think this is the first one that did an ICO, except for Ethereum. Ethereum technically did an ICO, but it was really before an I ICOs were really a thing. ZRX did an ICO while ICOs were definitely a thing, uh, which is kind of a new kind of precedent. Um, during the hype of everything where people were violating securities laws and getting in trouble with the SEC, uh, 0x did a token sale. Um, and I guess Coinbase thinks that their token sale was legitimate enough and the token has uh, decentralized itself enough. Um, interestingly enough, uh, ZRX just released uh, version 2, basically, like ZRX 2.0 of, um, of its code, I guess. Uh, and it was voted in by the uh, governance of the token. Uh, all of the token holders uh, voted yes on the approval of the changes. And now we have a little bit uh, better functionality, some improvements in the code. And I think that that might have something to do with the timing of its listing on Coinbase, uh, just because it was a pretty good example of uh, decentralized governance over the protocol for a, a kind of a community-approved uh, systematic upgrade rather than a centralized one. Um, and so may maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, but we also have to talk about how uh, zero, uh, 0x uh, could b potentially be very advantageous to Coinbase's model because it is a token that facilitates trading and Coinbase makes money on trading. Uh, so that's definitely something to, to be aware of. What if, what if ZRX is just really advantageous to all the former Coinbase employees that started ZRX? Did they? Was there a connection there? Yeah, there's like four former Coinbase employees that were part of ZRX. Hmm. Well, there is two things to say about that. One is exactly what you're saying, where there's you know privilege and insider uh, dealings and uh, people pumping their own bags. Um, but... The zero zero the zero X projects is a pretty legitimate project with a lot of minds behind it. Uh, it's it's built generally pretty well, from what I hear from um, consensus of developers, and so I don't think any anyone can really say that it doesn't really deserve to to be um, removed from consideration. It's a very valid token, I would I would say. Um, so I think I think very much both of those things could be true. Uh, and at the end of the day, I kind of think that all the leg legitimate tokens will make their way onto the centralized uh, gargantuan exchanges uh, like Coinbase, Gemini, Binance. Um, Binance ha doesn't have the restrictions that other exchanges do, but all legitimate tokens with legitimate, uh, you know, mind share behind them and development behind them, I think will make it onto the exchanges. It just depends on the order. So ZRX came first, and I think other tokens will come second and third and fourth. But at the end of the day, most of all the same tokens will be on all the major exchanges. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the Bitcoin community that talk about how right now in this specific bear market is when most shit coins go to die and when a lot of quote unquote premium altcoins will you know show some strength so that's like auger zrx stellar um what other decred I feel like you know these better than me what are other kind of premium premium alts zcash yeah, I would, I would certainly add, yeah, Maker was the one I was going to suggest. 
uh, I, th I think the definite, the definite um, prerequisite for these tokens is going to be a use case. Uh, as much as I would like to see Omise Go on all these exchanges, Omise Go is not even in this beta. Like it still has to deliver its project. Um, and so until that's a thing, uh, the, these, those types of tokens will not really be available. Uh, it has to be usable. And so that's why I think we've seen 0x show up on Coinbase is because it's a usable product. Um, I don't, I think Maker is not far behind. Like it's, it started very decentralized with its governance. Um, and it's a very valid use case for a token. No one can deny that. Same thing with 0x. Um, and it, to, to, uh, well, we haven't really seen this yet, but if Coinbase continues on, uh, it's it's got one for one, in my opinion, of adding tokens with valid use cases. I think it would be very interesting if we saw Coinbase list 0x, uh, MakerDAO, um, Omise Go once this project was live, and then not basic attention token or something that doesn't require um, a token, but just kind of implemented one. Uh, I think that would be a very interesting move by them. I, I, I would like to see that happen. Um, I'm not sure if they care too much or if they are really knowledgeable in the space of token me uh, mechanism design. Um, but that would be, I think that would be very progressive for the, for the system as a whole to only list tokens that are valid use cases. What comes first in your opinion, Zcash or Maker? Ooh, well... Hmm. Since Zcash is already on Gemini, that's something to consider. Um, additionally, there's a huge Zcash community. It's uh, tried and tested as a as a coin, uh, and I th and I think it has a higher market cap, right? Uh, Zcash number twenty. Marginally. Oh, Zcash twenty and Maker twenty three. So Maker is not far behind. Maker has gone from like number fifty on market cap to number twenty three in the last like two or three months. So it's done very well. Um, Premium altcoin. I I think. Oh wow, it's right behind zero x. Zero x twenty two and Maker twenty three. I I would be pleasantly surprised if Coinbase listed Maker. Uh, but I think it's not not outside of the realm, realm of possibility. It's a little bit harder to explain the use case, but I guess 0x isn't too easy either. I feel like a lot of people think that there's no use case for 0x. Um, I'm not prepared to agree with that, um, but I'm, I'm, I would like to hear some arguments. It's a, it's a method of... Uh, centralizing liquidity is the reason for the token uh, because it incentivizes the pooling of liquidity into the same pools and so it offers a better trading experience and the collection of fees for the for the 0x uh, system uh, it's a it's a it's a centralizing force of trading um, which makes things more efficient yeah i mean Ultimately, the only reason I don't care about ZRX that much is just because I don't know if like the whole token thing is going to pan out. So that's kind of my major skepticism. Mm -hmm. In terms of like a short-term speculation, it seemed like it was a no-brainer for a long time, especially when things were looking bad. Other kind of no-brainer speculations, potentially Maker, potentially Zcash. Um... Yeah, it, it seems stellar. like the Zcash community and its uh, compliance friendliness, uh, as well as its tech development, is going to 
allow it to keep being a, a forefront in, in the subject of getting listed on major American exchanges. VCs, I think, help with that, too. Very true. Very true. I also think that Decred is kind of amongst that. And I think it was today they announced that they have given their entire treasury to the stakeholders. So that's interesting that they've kind of transitioned away from being centralized from a treasury perspective. Wait, so they emptied their treasury? Is that what you mean? No, I think they gave they just gave more direct control to the voting system. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. I'll link the article. I, I gotta find it in Twitter. Very cool. Very cool. After we go down below Maker, though, it there doesn't seem to be too much. I could see Nano getting listed on Coinbase one day. Um. Nano's a pure shit coin. Ooh, ouch. Nothing else does what Nano does, though. Nothing else has fee-less transactions. I feel like there's always trade-offs. Well, and until until that trade is made, well, the trade is made, and, and until it falls through, I think it's worth considering. It's it's been in the top fifty for the past uh, couple months. I think, or at least uh, pretty set, much all year. Set, yeah, all year. Um, and it has it has the funds to help bootstrap itself. I think if it was a if it was an issue, it would have been it would have been discovered by now. Hmm. Basic attention token on a little twelve percent pump. Probably people buying it thinking that it's coming next to uh, to Coinbase. Yeah, people think it's coming next. Yeah. Totally. Oh, and Augur. Augur could easily make its way to Coinbase for sure. I mean, there's always legal issues we would have to talk about, but I'm not a lawyer and I'm not I'm not expertise enough to, to understand this. I just don't know at what point, you know, the securities laws kick into yeah. place. Yeah, that's a good that's it's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, I feel I, I'm not a lawyer, but I feel like a lot of these things don't, uh, you know, are a lot of these things pass the Howey test, which means that they are securities. Yeah, uh, but MakerDAO, but, uh, or, or excuse me, Augur, after they released, after they went live, three days later, uh, all of the original um, creators of the code uh, killed their kill switch. So they had this like kill switch option where they could just turn off the system in case something fucked up. Uh, and three days after they released Augur, they they burned it. And so it's out there. It's It's done. Like it's securities law might might be able to go off the after the founders, but like it's not it's the project will will stay up regardless, and so that I that it's kind of what the uh, SEC chairman I can't remember who it was um, said about Ether is like Ether is now proved to be sufficiently decentralized and it's no longer in our crosshairs. Yeah, I think it's just funny because I feel like I very recently saw a tweet with that showed Joey Krug and a bunch of other developers working on Augur 2.0 while eating pizza in a nice-looking conference room. So that looks like any other startup to me. <laughs> so, well, like, shit, I ain't a lawyer. Well, but it doesn't show the uh, distributed community that also partakes in the GitHub as well, in contributing code and stuff like that. So, I just don't know how they don't have a kill switch. Like that doesn't 
make sense to me if they're updating it to Augur 2.0 how do they not have a kill switch uh well because you can you can fragment the update functionality based on different smart contracts um and so uh there is not all dependent on this on you can burn one smart contract without impacting the others which is how that works so there, there's there's you can like freeze off upgrading to different areas of auger based on how you designed it it's like a tree branch kind of thing you can cut off mm-hmm. one branch and the others are still available gotcha gotcha i don't know i i just don't i just don't buy that it's not centralized but again like the jury is out and you know only time will really tell but uh, moving on, you know, Coinbase is kind of like an old financial institution in the crypto world now. But now we're getting an, a legacy financial t- institution entering into the crypto space. Uh, I think it was like two days ago, Fidelity announced Fidelity Digital Assets and wrote a pretty in-depth, you know, kind of well-researched medium post about bitcoin and the the evolution of digital cash i think it's so awesome that they wrote a medium post <laughs> like they they really knew where the, their community was yeah well they they spun up a completely new entity and uh it's called fidelity digital assets and it has its own twitter and all that stuff so it makes sense that they're sticking with the trend yeah which grew to three thousand followers in like the first two hours i was pretty jealous i mean it's freaking fidelity dude yeah, true. I'm, I'm not going to complain. But it's kind of funny. In the Fidelity post, they said in the original version, I'm pretty sure they edited now, but there's plenty of screenshots on Twitter. They said Satoshi Makamoto, not Nakamoto. <laughs> they spelled it with an M. Oh, well, you know, we're just going to see stuff like that for a while. Do you really trust them with holding your keys? They can't even spell Nakamoto right. Uh, well, they didn't, they didn't have anyone's job at stake for spelling it right. I mean, maybe they did. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. They're not going to hold my keys, but I trust them to hold other people's. Fidelity, the Fidelity Digital Assets is a piece of infrastructure that I've always kind of pointed to that would indicate that this bear market is going to be over sooner than other bear markets and there will be less blood in the streets. Um, I've generally thought that fundamentals are now growing faster. Developers are coming into the space uh, in in the thousands rather than in the tens, as we've seen in in previous years. Uh, So things are going to get built faster. We have institutional um, leadership uh, focused on cryptocurrency the attention is on cryptocurrency. People are all talking about how they can uh, leverage cryptocurrency and to, to help their businesses. There's just a, because of the mass amounts of focus and the mass mass um, migration of of effort and brain power to the space. I've I've always kind of said like the, this bear market's not going to be as bad as other bear markets in terms of uh, how deep it goes and how long it goes. And I think this is an, a good example of that. Um, and also why I think that, that we could be hanging around 6,000 Bitcoin and 200 uh, Ether for a nice long time. And this might just be as close to the bottom as we get. But um, don't make trades based on that statement. But David, how about Tether? Oh, God, Tether. So no, wait, what, what was the trigger behind Tether? I, I, I don't actually know. Well, we'll get we'll get to we'll get to Tether in a second. But I do want to comment on some of the things that you just said. Okay. First and foremost totally agree 
Again, I'm not 100% sure on the timeline, but the amazing thing about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is with these hype cycles and amazing uh, price spikes that are kind of triggered by the Bitcoin halving schedule. Um, and just for those of you who don't know what the Bitcoin halving is, uh, every 10 minutes, a block of Bitcoin is mined and that block has X amount of a block reward or X amount of Bitcoin in it to reward the miner for solving the block. Um, and every four years, that amount gets cut in half. So essentially, the supply that's coming into the system, um, the inflation is is abruptly changed and in, 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 in made smaller every four years. So um, there's been a trend of like every is like six months after the having the beginning of a bull run starts because you know I guess the scarcity is the explanation that people will put, and this these bull runs bring about a lot of attention towards crypto and people start FOMOing and you know you get a blow off top and then a massive crash. But there has you know these kind of attention and money sucking events. Um, really, you know, take up the talent pool and the attention on crypto to the next level. And this most recent one, this this run that pulled David and myself in, as well as many, many other like high end professionals and you know high end executives and not that, high end not institutions. That we're but whatever, you know, we, you went, you were gonna train to be a physical therapist, and I was working software sales. You know, doing account, you know, just doing closing sales for a respectable SaaS company, and yeah, I bailed now pretty we're both fast. in crypto. Yeah, yeah, it you know, it didn't take long, and that's true for so many other people. Um, and I, I think that this was the last one uh, before we see you know some crazy, crazy price actions on the next bull run, just because the infrastructure has never been better. The branding and uh, and ubiquitousness of Bitcoin has never been greater. Um, and I, I, it just, I, I don't see how the next attention cycle is not 10x bigger. Yeah, very true. I've always kind of thought of it as like a, a car struggling to start. You know, you're starting an old car and the, the engine turns over and mm, we get a bull run and then it dies. And then. And then mm, we get a bull run and it dies. But then it starts to pick up and the bull runs start to happen a little sooner, a little faster, a little stronger. And all of a sudden, this motor starts chugging along and picking up speed and going and going and going. And all of a sudden, the bull runs are happening so close to each other that we're in the middle of the S-curve of adoption as people um, find it hard to, to have a reason to not own Bitcoin or or any other tokens that that they need to do their services. Um that's the utopia that I see uh, unfolding in front of us. So right, we are right now in the middle of two two sparkers in the ignition as this engine gets rolling. That's my that's my nice little metaphor for you guys. Totally agree. But the only the only reason why I don't think it's gonna be kind of like a straight S curve, like an adoption S curve, is because there's always gonna be that opportunity to sell, right? Sure. And sure the opportunity to sell the quote-unquote top of a bull run or what um, any speculator might think is the top is going to continue these kind of price crashes until it just becomes fully adopted and, and, and uh, established money infrastructure. Mm-hmm. But until that point, I feel like there will always be kind of like the boom and bust. But 
the next one is just going to be so much big. And every single bull run has been so much bigger than last. But this next one is going to be absolutely incredible. Like imagine the next bull run and every institution can just go to fidelity. Yeah, and uh, and that's pretty crazy. That is very crazy. And making it very easy to buy Bitcoin is one thing. Um, And Anthony Pompliano keeps on giving out this metaphor of uh, musical chairs. And so there's 21 million Bitcoins, so there's 21 million chairs. But let's simplify it down to 21 chairs. Um, So, like, say for example, China comes along and they say, like, hey, we we announce that we have bought you know five percent of Bitcoin. You know, we own five percent of the network. Um, and so they've sat down on the chairs and now there's only 20 chairs left or something like Andreessen Horowitz announces like, Hey, we have, we have 5% of Bitcoin, uh, and they sit down. And so, you know, the chairs are running out and especially if some, some huge government institution comes in and says like, Hey, we bought up, we bought up a lot of Bitcoin. Like we think it's the thing, blah, 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 blah. Uh, like it's going to be, it's going to be like a, a scene from a wild west standoff where like every other institution with buying power is going to be looking at every other institution with buying power being like are are you are you going to go are are you going to go should i go who's going to go first and you know once once the dominoes start to fall like there's going to be a huge rush for those 21 uh chairs to get filled up as fast as possible uh and that's why i have bitcoin now instead of later uh, there was also talk about comparing uh, weed stocks, the bubble behind weed stocks, um, and the the hype around them to retail investors getting in before institutions are even allowed to, simply because of legal issues and custodianship issues. Retail can get in now, and that's part of the value proposition of both weed stocks and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is that. If you buy it now, you're you're buying it before all the institutions do, and so you you get in there before the big boys, and you get to be there the first. Unlike so many times in history, where institutions are the ones that are, you know, un, behind the scenes in the background with their privileged information, making all the right moves because they have better information than you do, and they get there first. Uh, so this is the opposite, and I think that's partly why we see this uh, this hype mania cycle. Yeah, I mean, retail investors are definitely a lot more prone to FOMO, but I think everyone FOMOs. And like you said, with governments and big institutions, I think they're all already accumulating right now. And the first big one to come out and to publicly state that they have accumulated or taken a position, especially from a government perspective that is definitely going to start off this kind of musical chairs type thing. And that's why the that's why the havings matter because right now anyone that's taking this seriously is accumulating and as soon as, you know, spring of 2020 happens, there's going to be half as much bitcoin entering the market. And all of a sudden if everyone is, you know, dollar cost averaging, all of a sudden there's half as much just the next day, boom, half as much is available on the market, or at least entering the market. So that's that's a crazy shock, and that's why prices usually spark or start climbing big time after you know six months after after having. Yeah, the the twenty one million hard cap limit, the scarcity is definitely very conducive to FOMO, um, and so it's part partly why we see market movements in cryptocurrency that we don't see in other markets is simply because of the the, the hard cap. And when you buy one, when you buy one Bitcoin, you are promised to own 
a percentage of the network that will never get smaller and smaller. Uh, and so it really just adds to the whole musical chairs effect, which provides for some very, very interesting market movements. There's a really good kind of thought leader and Bitcoin OG called Trace Mayer. He came up with the Mayer multiple, which is a way to compare Bitcoin's price relative to its history. Uh, but I won't jump into that too much. I'm sure we'll talk about the Mayer multiple more. But uh, Trace Mayer likes to talk about, you know, hoarding more Bitcoin or accumulating more Bitcoin as as uh, grabbing real estate on the blockchain, mm-hmm. right? So you, you're putting your stake down on that real estate. He sees it kind of like the new world, right? So all these European countries are flooding to the new world trying to grab real estate. So that's how he kind of views the Bitcoin blockchain. And he often talks about opportunities to, you know, grab pieces of real estate on the Bitcoin blockchain, which he believes is going to be the most valuable blockchain. Naturally, naturally. Speaking of dollar cost averaging, we talked about this app in CryptChat. Uh, it's called Crumbs, and uh, it's it's kind of like Acorns for the traditional stock market, but it, it's, it's instead it's for cryptocurrency. And so it, it has uh, I can't remember the all the coins, but it has uh, Ether and Bitcoin um, as well as some other coins. But for all your credit card and debit card transactions, it let you round up, and then it deposits that and in, into the app so it goes straight into cryptocurrency and i really wanted to use it but it's not available in washington because you know washington state regulators think i'm a child and i can't manage my own money so i don't get to use the app in washington i'm a little bit bummed about that why yeah it seems like washington is always kind of last to the crypto party washington and new york man i don't know what's going on i'm upset like i can't even use a vpn to do it because i need to register an address and everything (laughs) yeah Damn, yeah, that sucks. I'm upset. Everything's been available in California, despite Cali being one of the most like liberal, pro bureaucracy states. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Um. I I hope we get there. I know that Reuven Carlisle, who's a state representative for my district, he's very bullish on blockchain. I have seen him at um the last two crypto conferences I've been to, and he's he's said very educated, well informed things about uh, the world of blockchain and what it can do. Um, and so hopefully this is just a short-term thing. What's his opinion on Bitcoin? Uh, I haven't asked him about Bitcoin, especially he's more in, interested in like a supply chain and, uh, stuff like that. Oh man. I, I, I love the supply chain meme. It's such a good distraction. <laughs> Do you think it's legitimate? No. Okay. Well, we'll have to, well, let's table that and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that on a different episode because supply chains are a very, very big deal in cryptocurrency. So that might deserve its own episode. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, it might be, it might be legitimate, but all it's doing is legitimizing Bitcoin more in my opinion. So I'm happy about it. I just, it's a very frequent opinion of yours. <laughs> yeah. Everything's good for Bitcoin. Everything's good for Bitcoin, including the price going down sometimes. It's really, uh, you know, it's it's nice to rationalize. Everyone does it. <laughs> true, true. Just make myself feel better. It's fine. Yeah, we all we all need some of that too sometimes, especially in these uh, bear markets. Even though I'm moder- moderately optimistic right now. What else is on our our no. menu today? What else do we have to talk about? Yeah, honestly, you're pretty bullish, and so the reason ZRX getting added to Coinbase is kind of so important for ZRX's values because now you can, 
you know, connect your bank account and buy ZRX with dollars directly. But not all exchanges have that functionality. And because of that, we have these kind of dollar backed or dollar pegged tokens that people use in place of having like real dollars with a bank account attached to it. Um, and there has been some drama oh. the past like forever oh, about, yes. you know, these tokens. David, you kind of want to jump into some of the some of the craziness that's been going down? Yeah, so I actually had the opportunity to talk to uh, Corey from the Stably project, and Stably is making a highly audited, uh, regulated stablecoin on not only the Ethereum ecosystem, but also uh, will be available on uh, Stellar and one else. Uh, oh yeah, EOS. And so it's a it's a US dollar backed stablecoin where you can send a wire transfer to Stably, and they will issue uh, stablecoins for you. Um, just like Tether, the, the difference is that Stably is, is very, very frequently audited by trusted U.S. parties. Um, and then just, just to add on, the value that or the, the how does Stably make money question is answered by if Stably is holding, say, say they issue one billion Stably tokens because they've received one billion dollars, they get to make risk-free interest uh, on that. And so they get like 2% of interest per year on the one billion dollars. Um, before all of that innovation behind stablecoins came around, there was Tether. And Tether is run out of, uh, where is Tether run out of? Singapore? Uh, so Malaysia? Somewhere, somewhere not in the United States. Um, uh, decentralized. Huh? No, I'm just kidding. It's yeah, definitely, definitely not decentralized. Centralized away offshore. With uh, and they have a very strong resistance to getting audited, um, and so uh, there's always there's generally been skepticism with Tether and whether they have the funds in the bank. Uh, a quick story about Tether that is um, generally you know not very contested but not very provable is that uh, they were given the their the power that they gained themselves to mint their own tether tokens uh, because when you give tether dollars they mint you tokens so you can use them well since they have the power to mint them they use that power when w they were originally with wells fargo and wells fargo uh was like uh finally realized that these guys are operating a money transfer service and they didn't have the right licenses so they shut down their bank account well, when, when you shut down the uh, supply issuance mechanism uh, of dollars because they can't issue any more tethers that uh, would be backed by dollars because their bank account is shut down, well, then the price of tether started to increase and it started to go from like a, a dollar to a dollar three cents, dollar five cents. I think, I think Corey said it got all the way up to a dollar ten cents. Uh, and so tether trying to promise, uh, yeah, it got up to a dollar ten cents on... November 12th of 2017 and then hit higher even higher before that um, and so tether tried to solve this problem by printing more tether in order to decrease the supply because you know the demand was still high even though the supply was cut off so when demand go, is demand is increasing and supply is the same the price will go up even though it's meant to be a stable coin so tether printed more unbacked tethers uh, and then they realized that they could just do that a lot and so they did that bought bitcoin with it uh then the value of bitcoin went up 
and up and up and up up until until the middle of uh, December January and then they were selling the bitcoin in order to get the dollars back so they could actually become solvent again and so they kind of wash traded themselves into solvency where they bought they printed hella tether which is you know unbacked dollars that somehow people believe that it's a dollar so it, so it traded for a dollar they bought bitcoin at 4000 6000 8000 12000 and it goes up to like 16,000, 18,000, 20,000 and they sell and then they all of a sudden have the dollars because they sold bitcoin that had appreciated, they have the dollars to become solvent again. And so they they like ponzi skied themselves into solvency. Uh and they made a, I'm sure a significant amount of money. Um something happened recently that I'm less familiar with um about and all of that was speculation by the way. That's totally unproven um but a fun story to tell. Um, but recently tether has been dropping in value. It's been going the other, the other way. And on some, some exchanges, it got all the way down to 86 cents on the dollar. So, uh, that people are willing to take a 14 cents loss per dollar to get out of tether for some reason. What was, do you know the, the details behind this Christian? Yeah. So essentially tether is affiliated with an exchange called Bitfinex and Bitfinex and tether have both had banking issues on and off for their entire existence um, precisely because they're unregulated and running essentially you know a money laundering money transmission uh, get around type scheme for US regulation so understandably it's difficult for them to have banking and they recently lost their bank the bank that they were using uh, went out of business or closed shop, whatever. They're probably a very illegal bank too, but they're offering their services to Tether and others. Um, so Bitfinex and Tether, you know, closed fiat deposits as well as withdrawals, and that affected the Bitcoin price on Bitfinex as well as the Tether price across all Tether exchanges. At one point, I think there was like a two or three hundred dollar premium on Bitcoin um, on Bitfinex, which is, you know, relatively significant given that Bitcoin is only six K right now. Yeah, Bitcoin Bitfinex has like a four or five hundred dollar price difference just because um, people don't want to sell their Bitcoin to Tether, and so you know you have to respond by. Uh, oh, they're buying bitcoins. Yeah, if you're buying bitcoins, well, people who are, who are selling bitcoin to Tether are doing it at a higher price because they don't want the Tether as much. Um, so, so people who are actually selling are like getting hit doubly because Tethers are selling below a dollar and bitcoins are buying at a premium. Mm-hmm. So every dollar is like loses 20%. And then on top of that, you have to pay like a 5% premium on top of it or almost 10% premium depending on the day. So, you know, getting out of Bitfinex was uh, was an expensive endeavor last week. Yes, very, very true. Uh, it's yet to be seen whether this is just FUD or not. Uh, we've seen worse FUD in this space. Uh, but I would generally guess that Tether is not the stablecoin that will be here in the long term. Uh, it just doesn't have the qualities that other uh, stablecoins do, as in being fully audited, uh, approved by the government as in um, 
fully audited for Circle stablecoin, approved by the government for Gemini stablecoin, or decentralized by the DAI maker stablecoin. Uh, all three of those, I think, provide much more valuable use cases for and, and just value propositions as a stablecoin than Tether. Uh, so totally it, disagree. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think that Tether and Dai are in a league of their own, um, but Tether specifically is in, legal, is in a league of its own. Um, so the other stablecoins are regulated. I'm happy about that. I'm glad that there that is there. But ultimately, those stablecoins can't require KYC or will eventually require KYC. Um, they will, they will uh, most likely be auditable and or they will be audible. They most likely be censorable, um, and they most likely would not play nice with illegal exchanges like Binance and others. Fair, but those products aren't actually meant for people like you. They're meant for people that are trying to become compliant and legal like institutions and stuff. So totally. And I, again, I said, good I'm for happy Bitcoin, that right? those are there. No, I mean, I'm happy that those things are there. Yeah. Very good for Bitcoin. I think that those all create legitimacy and, and avenues for people to, you know, behave in legal ways. But on the flip side, Tether clearly has a use case because none of those are offering an illegal version of a U.S. pegged currency. Um, the only other one is Dai. Dai is actually supposedly trying to be decentralized, and it seems to be working well so far. So not mad about Dai, but the like regulated stable USD coins are not equal to Tether in my mind. Well, wait, wait. They're not. They're not regulated once they're on Ethereum. So like once I send, if I were to get Gemini Dollar or Circle Dollar, I can freely trade it or send it to any address anywhere. The only thing that's regulated is going in and out of the U.S. dollar, uh, which you can't even do with Tether, anyways. Uh, and so I think from from people like you and me who who aren't you know gargantuan you know whales with a bunch of money, it's the product between Tether, Gemini Dollar, and uh, and Circlecoin is going to be the same. Like we can use it once it's on the Ethereum ecosystem, but we can't be the people to go on and talk to centralized institutions and, and get the thing. So why do you think that these, these auditable um, and regulated tokens are not censor, are, are censorship resistant? They, well, because ether isn't a censorship censorship resistant like so the only thing that's censorship resistant is going is is the on-ramp once once you're on ethereum nothing is censorship resistant or everything is censorship resistant it's just as it's just as uh, permissionless and decentralized as ethereum is it's the on-ramp for these uh stable coins that's that's the regulated part i guess what i don't understand and again you know, the smart contract that these tokens are made on is centralized, which means that they can update that smart contract. So I don't see how, I mean, maybe if the token exists on Ethereum and you're only dealing with other people that accept it, that are, you know, we're operating purely in the decentralized world, maybe that works, but I, I doubt that that's a normal use case. And I feel like that doesn't make good money is if as soon as you interact with a non-decentralized world, um, 
you can be censored. And I mean, again, that that's not what makes good money, in my opinion. Well, then I think the wouldn't the only stablecoin that you would be a fan of is Dai, then because Tether can fuck with its token supply. It could delete its token supply, like it could just it could just burn everything. Totally, but Tether has no intention of abiding by any regulator's law unless they. I mean, I think that they're just going to get shut down. They're not going to comply. Right, so it has just as much weakness as these other centralized compliant ones. Wouldn't you say that being compliant and regulation friendly is an advantage because there's no one coming to attack the system? Sure, but there can't be really used effectively for quote unquote illegal things, which Tether is being used for. Well, I could. Well, I mean, what do you mean All illegal I'm things? Like is that I could different. pay you in US do- in in Gemini dollars to kill someone. If you wanted to do that. Yeah, but potentially they could say, oh, shit, that address is blacklisted. And then anywhere where you can actually cash out into something else, um, you know, that the address is blacklisted. I guess that can be done with anything else, yeah. but um, they can actually shut down the smart contract. They They can shut down. They can decline deposits from particular addresses, but... I mean, that's possible with any crypto, I guess. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. it's nothing specific to the actual... Like like I said, once it's on Ethereum, once a token is trading on Ethereum, it is out of the hands of the centralized institutions. The only what, thing... what if they update what is defined as the token? Yeah, but that's that goes against their whole incentive model. Like, they're not incentivized what... to do that. Why, why is Gemini not incentivized to update the gemini usd with all the same account balances except for at these 10 um addresses that did something illegal that would be trivial for them no because that's a that represents a hard fork hard forks don't matter for them it's a centralized an, uh, a hard, an ethereum the hard fork. The you would have account. to hard fork ethereum you wouldn't be able to do it I don't know. I have to look into it. Yeah, no, like the the token be right. The token issuance. They're in control of the token issuance and burning, but not only with the tokens that they control. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look into it. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm just spreading spreading FUD. (laughs) You you seem very convinced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that's that's why Ethereum's so cool, is uh once it's on the ecosystem, it's on the ecosystem. Yeah. Well, I guess it all comes back to is Ethereum censorable? So I guess that's the that's the main crux is <laughs> if you think that ultimately uh, a major government can censor Ethereum, then, you know, maybe you can still get away with all the petty stuff. I, I Honestly, I think all coins are, go- are, are good in general just because they're this hydra that's a distraction um, from like this kind of decentralized crypto world coming into uh into play so that's my general opinion hydra is a pretty powerful force now now isn't it i mean i think that there's a lot of illegal securities that were issued last year and not a lot of people going to jail so i think it's already working yeah i think i think there's something to say about that is is well one thing they they a bunch of illegal securities were issued and a bunch of people are going to jail in the future or the SEC is going to realize like they just can't fucking manage that and they're going to have to change the securities laws, which I would be hoped for because my, that would do very, very well for my business. I would have a lot more freedom. 
Anyways, that's a separate subject. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like just like maybe LimeWire's not around, but you can still easily torrent and stream NFL games and other content. That is now that technology now exists for money and potentially other stuff. So I don't see how the government can stop it. Isn't that what Tron is doing? Isn't that that's Tron's business model is like stream, streaming and torrenting media? To be honest, we should do an episode on Tron really in the future. Re- yeah, I, I feel like I want to. Out of any all of these altcoins, I feel like it's hilariously ironic to pump Tron. <laughs> but um, it's like it's like that, Ripple's retarded cousin or something. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe retarded is the wrong word, but it's. You know, I feel like there's something about China we're we're just missing. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a different world. It's a different world. But I mean, hey, they bought BitTorrent, which is um, something. So you know, they took their fake money and and bought stuff with it. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Some serious gains right there. All right, Christian, you got anything to say to wrap this up? Yeah, um, I guess the last thing is uh, this economist quote-unquote who was talking about how bitcoin crashed at 58 dollars four years ago was on his high horse again talking about how it crashed to six thousand dollars (laughs) recently we'll see it again when it crashes to sixty thousand dollars yeah dude like come on like you could have bought it at 58 dollars I'm I'm so disappointed with the cryptocurrency community because they're giving this guy so much attention and like we've seen these tactics for the last like two, three, four, six years. Like the guy just yells and shouts lunacy to piss people off and then they pay attention to him and then he gains the following and then you know that cycle repeats. Like just stop paying attention to the guy. Like haven't we learned anything from any of these tactics? Just like once you stop paying attention, you learn this in elementary school. Like you don't pay attention to the to the to the people that are mean to you and then and then they stop being mean to you. Like we just need to co- collectively come together as a whole and ignore this guy. And I I I tweeted out to uh Laura Shin and Vitalik like saying like why are we paying attention to this guy like there's nothing of value that's going to come out between a debate between Vitalik Nuriel and fucking Kevin or Kevin Fam what's that his name like no like those are three people that are on the opposite ends of of the spectrum like one's all in on bitcoin one's all in on decentralization and then one is just a a child that's just shouting and trying to gain a twitter following like nothing of value is going to come out of that conversation he's a professor at yale yeah and he should stay there and just you know stay off of, of crypto twitter I don't know. I feel like people are just bored because there's no price action. So <laughs> this is fun. This is just this just always happens. Noriel comes out in the bear market to entertain everyone while they're accumulating and then you know becoming richer. You think he's just trying to keep the prices down while he buys more? Honestly, I I maybe he's just pulling one over on us. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's actually a genius. <laughs> That's an optimistic scenario, but hopefully he has a yeah. lot more followings than most people. So yeah but uh well i'm looking forward I, to I his episode was... on laura shin i get well actually no i'm not what am i talking about 
it's not happening on Laura Shin. He called her a pseudo journalist. Oh yeah, yeah. She, she Laura Shin mentioned that in the, this whole thing in her late, latest episode, and she said she sent out like a pleasant tweet to Nuriel and and was like, hey, like I'm I'm happy to host you on my podcast. And then she said that she got the most mean response she had ever gotten ever saying that she's like a pseudo journalist who's just like promoting her own like industry blah 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 just and it's insane like Laura Shin is the most unbiased person in crypto and and like he just reacted with with vitriol and hate to her it's 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 crazy I think he's really good at PR yeah he's doing the Donald Trump method and it's working Yes, it it works. It yeah. works. Just just say things on Twitter angrily, loudly. It's a good strategy. Yeah, and and <laughs> yes, pretend they're the but truth. Hey, we're talking about him right now. Yeah, so yeah. And I just realized that too. Is like, fuck. I'm doing exactly the thing I said I was disappointed about. Yeah, I think I think we should just stop talking altogether. Let's close out the show. <laughs> okay, everyone. P O V Crypto Pod on Twitter. Freaking follow, rate, review. There's links for iTunes. Please rate, I'm Christian. please review. I'm Christian. I'm on Twitter at reallife underscore ck. I'm just like, do I work? Don't tell my boss that. I think he listens. <laughs> Twitter is actually pretty good for for business development, crypto, and I, I'm I'm constantly working those DMs. So hey, hit me up. I'm down. Let's talk. Let's talk crypto. David, where can people find you? I'm at Trustless State on Twitter and Medium. Trustless underscore State. Find me there. Peace out, guys. Christian, this was a great episode. Looking forward yeah, to setting up this one. Good night. Peace, guys.